Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. We're just going to finish this week in um, It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> it's a Wonderful Life, despite what we've been through, you know, despite what's come against us. We can truly say it's a wonderful life. Amen. And uh, we heard that from a lot of the testimonies. Uh, I noticed that um, when I asked people to, you know, just kind of share um, and reflect on 2020, um, there was some sharing about, you know, hey, there was the pandemic and these bad things happened. But everyone to a person said, despite all of that, God has been good. God has been good. I found ways to overcome. God showed one young lady how to uh, start a business online, right? You just, you pivot and you do what God uh, would have you do. We keep going. Life doesn't stop, right? We continue. We move forward. Uh, nothing stops until God says it stops. Come on. And so um, that's why we celebrate uh, his coming. That's why we celebrate his birth. You know, people had so much hope uh, before the birth of Jesus. I mean, it's been said, and I uh, believe it, for about 400 years, God, you, there was no word from the Lord. And I can't imagine going 400 years without a word from the Lord. 400 years without a word from the Lord, especially when you believe in God. And you don't hear from him. So can you imagine the anticipation of hope, of hope when God sent his son into a manger? They were uh, kind of like 2020. They were looking for one thing and something else happened. They were, they were, I thought, they might have thought he was coming out of the sky like a swing low sweet chariot, you know, like when it picked up Elijah. Here comes Jesus, you know, uh, on a white horse and he's going to set up his throne and he's going to overthrow all the naysayers. And uh, here he is in a, in a, in a barn, in a manger, uh, you know, some, in some obscure place in Bethlehem. Can anything good come out of Bethlehem? Can anything good come out of Bethlehem? Those were the words. And so um, this is not the first time something like this has happened. We were looking for one thing and something different happened. Come on. God does what he wants to do <laughs> the way he wants to do it. And so despite all of those things, we can truly say it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. And maybe in this year coming up, we'll learn how to not manipulate God. Come on. I'm talking about uh, how to not say, God, if you do this, I, I'll do that. Or if you do this for me, I won't do that anymore. Right? We should just have it in our heart to please God. That's why my prayer, and it's for me personally, is uh, God, just allow me, help me by your spirit to appreciate you for who you are instead of just what you do for me. And what, how you've gotten me out of trouble, how you've delivered me, how you've caused me to overcome, how you forged a path in a dry uh, and, and deserted place for me, how you've done all of those things. Yes, he's done all of those things, but guess what? Just because he is God and he's daddy and he loves me, I want to love you back, Lord, just because of who you are. 
I was thinking of this story that I came across years ago, and uh, this little boy was writing a letter to God. And he was writing his letter to God about the Christmas presents that he badly wanted. How many know when you're little, you know, you just, you, again, you pivot. You know, he, his mother told him that there was no Santa Claus. He had come to that point in his life. There was no Santa Claus. So he said, I'll just write a letter to God then. You know, I'm, you know Santa Claus, I'm writing a letter to somebody because I want these Christmas presents. It's not going to stop a young person. You can't stop young people. Come on now. And uh, so he, he, he wrote a letter to God about the Christmas presents that he badly wanted. And he said, God, I've been good for six months now. Six months I've been good, Sister Patty. He wrote that. And then after a moment of reflection, he, he crossed out six months and he said, three months. Three months I have been, I've been good, Lord. I've been good, God. Now come on. And then after a little bit of a pause, he kind of thought again, and he, he crossed that out too. And he put two weeks. Look, the last couple weeks, I have been good. I have been good. And then there was another pause, and he crossed that out too. He said, man. So then he got up from the table, and he went over to the nativity scene that had figures of Mary and Joseph. And he picked up the figure of Mary, and he wrapped it gently in a cloth. And he put it in a drawer in his room. Then he went back to his writing and he said, Dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again, <laughs> he's going to find a way. He's going to find a way. But I think just like that little boy, sometimes we, we manipulate God. Not in that way, you know, but we do. You know, God, if you, if you do this, then, then I'll do that. God is saying, just tell me you love me. I, already, I know what you need, and I know all of those things. But if you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, all of those things, including your Christmas gifts, <laughs> will be added unto you. It will be added unto you. So we know that Jesus is wonderful. We've talked about that. He does wonderful things. He's wonderful. He's limitless. He's now he breaks down our barriers. He's marvelous. How many accolades, how many adjectives can we come up with? He's admirable. He's unusually good, altogether different. Jesus is not ordinary. He's extraordinary. He's the, he was the first one who was extra. Come on, Jesus is a little extra. He, he's a giver of wonderful things. And one of the most wonderful is obviously his peace and his love, his grace that he puts upon us. He causes wonderful, astonishing, and unexpected, beyond normal things to come upon us. When we lose a grip on life, and when we begin to argue and, and fuss, and we see things differently, and, and, and our focus uh, goes to the left or to the right, God is still there doing the impossible turning our head back to him, back to him. And so this is why folks were so hopeful. It's chaos. It's, we haven't heard a word from you. We're depressed. We're needy. We're desperate, Lord. And we're hopeful. And Isaiah said in chapter 9, verse 6, a child is born to us. A son is given to us, and he will be our ruler, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. 
everlasting father and prince of peace. A child is born unto us. Jesus later told us that the, it, the enemy comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the only reason your enemy comes. But he said, I have come. I have come, as Isaiah prophesied, a child is born unto us. I have come that they, meaning you and me, might have life and have it more abundantly. There is a hope when Jesus came. The words of the angels, the words of the angel to the shepherds in Luke 2.10, he said unto them, do not be afraid. Isn't it comforting? When the God of the universe comes to you and says, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. There is a hope, people, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He gives us wonderful peace. He is an everlasting father. But at the end of the day, he is a wonderful Savior. None of this would happen. We can't look to an abundant life. We can't look to be in the head and not the tail. We can't look to our faith that overcomes. We can't look to being more than conquerors. We can't look to any of those things unless he's a wonderful Savior. We were lost and he came to save us. Savior, that's, that's one who saves us from danger and destruction. He redeems us unto himself for protection, blessing, covering, unconditional love. Jesus is one who keeps us safe. He stops us from dying or being hurt, damaged, lost, or wasted. How many know you are not wasted? I don't care what you've gone through in your life. I don't care what moment you are at right now in your life. You are not wasted. You are not lost. And if you are damaged, God will repair you on the potter's wheel. He's able to do it. And so this wonderful Savior that comes to us brings hope. Jeremiah 14, 8 says, Oh, the hope of Israel, his Savior in time of trouble. Jesus is a wonderful Savior unto us. He saves us. I love to say that uh, Jesus, uh, you know, is a lot like, or actually they are a lot like him, but Jesus is a lot like, you know, the Calvary. You remember those old cowboy movies when the lady was tied to the, 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 the train track and the train was on its way and you heard it and, you know, all hope was lost. Well, I think he's going to get run over by the train. And all of a sudden, you hear this trumpet. And you see this flag. And all these guys come riding on the horse. The cavalry comes and saves the day at the last moment in the midnight hour. God is like that unto us. It may be a midnight hour for you. I don't know. Maybe, maybe 2020 has brought a midnight hour for you. But if you listen real close, you'll hear it off in the distance. Here he comes, Jesus, our wonderful Savior. He comes to save and he brings us a hope and not just a hope as the world knows hope or defines hope, but a hope with expectation. That is the hope that Jesus brings to us. 
First of all, he brings us a hope for eternal salvation. Not just to save one time. I, I, I got saved from the railroad tracks, but what happens next week if somebody else captures me or I find myself in another situation? No, Jesus saves us from eternal damnation into eternal salvation. Eternal, eternal salvation. That means forever, and that's a mighty long time. Forever, forever. Jesus gives us a hope not only for eternal salvation. One day on that good getting up morning, we will go on to be with the Lord. Yes, that's coming. But guess what? He gives us a hope for a better life right now. Can I tell you that Jesus gives us a hope for a better life right now? Yes, in the time to come and right now. I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. That's the hope that he brings for us. He lays it out for us. Which will you choose, death or life? He gives us a hope. Now it's up to us to follow him. It's up to us to be his disciples. It's up to us to choose. Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the hope for a better life. We will serve the Lord. And so Jesus brings us a hope for a better life. And you know what I really believe about this year coming up? I really, I, you know, the Lord, I really believe that the Lord is speaking that this year coming up is going to be a year of restoration. And that maybe means something different to everyone. But it's going to be a year of restoration. It's going to be a year to, get, to gain back what the enemy has stolen from you. It's going to be a year of restoration. And I believe you're going to hear this word more and more. It's going to be a year of restoration. Every, the word of the Lord is established by two or three witnesses, the mouth of two or three witnesses. Amen. So you don't have to believe me right now, but you're going to hear that more and more. I guarantee you. It's going to be a year of restoration. And Jesus brings a hope for restored relationships. That's one of the things that he is going to restore. And I don't know, it may not be the person that you're thinking of or the group of people or whatever, but there's going to be some relationships that are going to be restored in this year to come. You see, Jesus repaired the relationship between God and mankind when he came to Bethlehem. And I believe in that same way, there's going to be relationships that we have that God is going to restore. He is going to restore in 2021. And I'll tell you how it's going to happen, how it's going to have to happen in just a moment. Jesus, when he came, gave us a hope for divine and supernatural healing. Divine and supernatural healing. Now, I know you might not be excited about that because maybe you're not hurting. Maybe you haven't had COVID or you don't have inflammation or Arthur hadn't gotten to you. Some know who I'm talking about when I say Arthur. Uh, you know, maybe maybe your mind has been clear uh, this whole year. Maybe you haven't had back problems and had to have a, a needle that big stuck in your arm like my wife did a couple years ago uh, to, to put some medicine in her body. Maybe those things haven't happened to you. But for some of us who have gone through some things in life and had some surgeries and, and, and gone through some things, there is a hope for divine and supernatural healing that I am excited about and I am expecting 
from God because he promised it to us. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes you were healed. Isaiah prophesied you will be healed. Peter looked back and said, by his stripes. He already died on the cross. By his stripes you were healed. How many can be excited about a hope for divine and supernatural healing? Come on, it's coming. And then he gives us a hope for an abundant life now. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And here's the caveat to that whole thing. The hope for eternal salvation. Hope for a better life. Hope for restored relationships. Hope for supernatural and divine healing. Hope for an abundant life now when I just don't see it. I don't, I don't, I don't see how that could happen. The thing about it is, God has done his part in all of this. You know where the realization of all this hope lies? It lies with you and I. It lies with you and I. I've said it before, and you know it. You know it in your heart. You cannot even receive salvation without believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. He didn't say, think it. I know, I know Proverbs says, as a man thinketh, so is he. But he didn't say for salvation, you got to believe it and think it. It's very specific in Romans. The Holy Spirit talked through Paul. You must believe in your heart. Believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus. And you must confess with your mouth. People, if we're going to have restored relationships, if we're going to have a better life, what I call a God life, not the life you're thinking, here's what I think is a better life. No, listen, it's got to be a God life because uh, there is a way that seems right unto man, but it leads to destruction. And listen, if you keep this word in your mouth and observe to do all that is written therein, come on, don't go to the left or to the right, you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good. So I'm talking about good success when I say better life. I'm not talking about just success the way you think it should be. I'm talking about a better life. If we're gonna have that hope, we must believe it in our heart and we must speak it with our mouth. If we don't believe it in our heart and we don't speak it in our mouth, we're going to find ourselves right back here in 2021 complaining about all the things that went wrong in 2021. I thought it was going to be a better year than 2020. I thought Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He did, but guess what? The choice is yours. The choice is mine. We must believe it in our heart and we must speak it with our mouth. And it's easy to speak when you're on top of the mountain. It's easy to speak when everything is going well. It's easy to speak when your bank account is okay and your marriage relationship is going fine and you have a good relationship with your children and your boss is not getting on your nerves. It's easy to speak, uh, you know, in the summertime uh, when you're not freezing to death. It's easy to speak in those good times. Come on. But God says, speak, speak in the midst of your trouble. You know, my wife reminded me of something last week. We talked a little bit about Jesus walking on the water. 
through the storm. Remember, when he came walking to them on the water, he didn't, he hadn't said, peace be still yet. He was walking on the water. He hadn't stopped the storm. One thing you must remember, please realize this, is that when Jesus was walking on that water and he was walking through the storm, he had a body just like you and I have. He had eyes just like you and I have. He had hands and feet just like you and I have. He had clothes on that body just like you and I would have. Come on. He had hair on his head just like you and I, well, like you would have. Come on. He, he, he was just like you and I. And so when he was walking through that storm, he felt the storm. He felt the storm. When you're going through your storm, yes, you feel it. It's just so hard for me to praise God because I'm in the midst of this and I feel the storm. Jesus felt the storm, folks, but he still kept going. That's the difference. And we must go through the storm and we must speak the word of God in the midst of the storm. The storm can't stop us from speaking the word of God, nor can it stop us from realizing the hope that he has brought to us. It cannot stop us. It cannot stop us. So as we celebrate this Christmas season, let us remember that in the midst of all of the gift giving and food eating and all the things that we do. Let us remember that God did his part. He sent his son. He sent his son. He gave us an example and he died on the cross. Now, as they would say, the ball is in your court. The ball is in our court. What are you going to believe and what are you going to speak? What are you going to believe and what are you going to speak? Those two things we must get in our heart. What are you going to believe and what are you going to speak? Listen, if our greatest need had been for information, God would have sent us an educator, just an educator to educate us, philosopher. If our greatest need had been technology only, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us a financier, an economist. Come on, a banker. He would have sent that. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so God sent us a savior.